The readings for this Sunday are united around the theme of forgiveness. And forgiveness is a deeply challenging topic because it's deeply connected to our deepest hurts and areas in our lives that are in need of healing. But I would submit that forgiveness is also greatly misunderstood. Jesus calls us in the gospel to forgive our brother from the heart. But oftentimes our own attempts to forgive our brother or our sister are superficial. That is, they don't arise from the depths of the heart, but they come from a place closer to the surface. We may say the words, I forgive you, out loud or in our head, and try to set the anger aside, but beneath the surface, we're still writhing in pain and holding on to bitterness, even hatred. In order for forgiveness to move past this surface level and come from the heart, it has to be a form of mercy. This is exactly what we see in the parable today. The king, the master, knew that the servant had no way of paying back the debt. And so he showed him mercy. And if you look at that word mercy, if you look at the Latin um, of that word, misericordia, miseria means misery, and cor denotes the heart. So St. Augustine defined mercy or misericordia as, quote, heartfelt sympathy for another's distress. So it looks upon another who suffers. And forgiveness, then, is, is simply a particular form of mercy, mercy towards one's offender. But forgiveness, we can't forget, is also a process. It's a process. Notice that, very importantly, before the king showed mercy toward the servants in the parable, he took stock of the debt that was owed to him. It says, quote, he began the accounting. And very often, I think, we miss this important step. We want to jump straight ahead to mercy before we've adequately taken stock of what's been taken from us, of what's died inside of us. And the reason why is because it's painful. Very simply, it's painful to acknowledge the hurt, the offense that's taken place. But we cannot whitewash we cannot whitewash the offense. We can't simply say, it's fine, I forgive you. It's no big deal. And expect to be able to move on peacefully, right? You're probably familiar with the common phrase, forgive and forget. 
Well, I want you to forget that phrase. <laughs> right now. <laughs> forget and forget is a lie. I was reading um, a scripture scholar about this parable um, who did the math. He did the math in this parable today. The translation that we heard today says the servant owed the master a huge amount. But a more literal translation shows that the debt that the servant owes the king in this parable is 10,000 talents. Which is a truly astronomical sum when we do the math. So here it is. One denarius is about $80 in today's currency. Three denarius is one shekel. Sixty shekels is one mina. Sixty minas equals one talent. One. So a single talent is worth about $864,000 in modern equivalent. Or about 34 years wages for an entry-level worker. So 10,000 talents would translate to about $8.6 billion. So do you think that the master was simply going to forget a debt like that? Hardly. And so Jesus doesn't tell us to forgive and forget. He tells us to forgive from the heart. It's very different. Listen to what the Catechism of the Catholic Church has to say about this. And this is Catechism number 2843, if you're going to go back and listen to this homily on the podcast. Quote, It is there, in fact, in the depths of the heart, that everything is bound and loosed. It is not in our power not to feel or to forget an offense. There it is. The Catechism says, forgive and forget is a lie. But, it goes on, but the heart that offers itself to the Holy Spirit turns injury into compassion and purifies the memory in transforming the hurt into intercession. This is incredibly profound. It's saying many amazing things. But in effect, what this is saying is that to forgive someone who has hurt us, we have to become like Christ. Because consider, consider how Christ looks at each one of us. Every time we sin, every time we approach him for forgiveness, we offend God with our every sin. Every scourge mark, every bruise, every piercing that Jesus endured in his passion came as a result of sin. And this is why we, uh, we have a crucifix in every church. It's to remind us that our salvation came at a great price. An astronomical sum. It's not simply cheap grace. And yet, as God sees us in our sin... He looks past the surface and he sees our misery. 
the pitiful state out of which we act every time we sin. And instead of giving us what we deserve, he offers us so much more. He sees, God sees, a beloved son, a beloved daughter, who has been wounded and who is in need of healing. A healing that he desperately wants to give us if we let him. St. Thomas Aquinas said um, famously that mercy is maximally attributed to God. That the greatest attribute of God is his mercy. And the ideal for us, for you and for me, is that like God, we stand ready to forgive always, no matter how grave the offense Imperfect as we are, though, that requires some deep work on our part. It requires making an account and a right judgment about the debt that the offender owes us first, and then allowing the Holy Spirit to re-sculpt the inner sanctum of our hearts so that we can pair that right judgment, we can pair that accounting with mercy, so that our hearts become like God's heart. And with the, with the assistance of grace, this is possible. We can actually move from wishing ill on someone to longing for the well-being and the salvation of those who have harmed us. Guys, an, an act of forgiveness literally changed the world 2,000 years ago. And it can change the world today. It may seem ludicrous in today's society, which is so polarized, so divided. But as we grow in conformity to Christ, and we share in his longing for the salvation of souls, we realize that the souls of our grave offenders are in great danger. And forgiveness then, forgiveness is a critical way in which Christians participate in Christ's saving work on the cross, which has the power to break even the hardest of hearts wide open and to save them.